On today's show... You know, if you go get like a, an MBA, people have no problem spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for an MBA. Your first real estate investment, so ours, put 20% down, it's a fraction of what you'd pay for an MBA. And yet people are terrified to make that. The reality is your first investment oftentimes is really just a learning experience. It's a huge win. You just got all that education for free. Welcome to Wealth Building with Friends. I'm Usha Patel. Our partners, Melanie and Josh McAllen, will join Bob and I as we meet families just like yours. Our guests come from all walks of life. Successful sales professionals, business owners, consultants, contractors. This podcast will explore the why behind investing and dig deep into the power of relationships, no matter where you are on your personal investment journey. Learn side by side with all of us. We're glad you're here. Welcome, everyone, to another version of Wealth Building with Friends. My name is Bob Wells of Bright Future. And first of all, I'd like to um, introduce those around the table. First of all, we have the incredible Josh and Melanie McCallan, who are the founders of Accountable Equity and the brainchild behind our show. And this is my wife, Usha Patel, uh, who joins me in Bright Future. And we're really excited to be with you today to, uh, to really introduce you to some amazing people that will share some great secrets about investing and, and how they've made such a success of their life. Hi, Bob. Hi, Usha. We're super excited. This hey is another awesome episode. I, I can't wait to dive in. It's been a while since we saw you. I'm so excited because it was before the holidays. So hope everybody had a great time and um, still cold out here anyway. <laughs> Uh, we were all bantering about this, guys, who are listening, that the show has launched now. So you guys who are listening, you can imagine this is this is like a really great production team that put us all together. And, and it takes time. It's like when you watch one of those making of a movie or something. It takes time. We recorded shows in the summer. They got delayed by a couple family situations. And so we had shows rolling out this past few weeks here in uh, January and February that were actually a couple of months old. And now we're all caught up. And so, guys, welcome to the community. I'm sure so many of you have been falling in love with the the uh, Usha and Bob powerhouses. Uh, it's an honor. I've been listening to all the shows with you. I, I'm so excited with every guest has introduced just another soft way to get around the table. So today, my job, everybody, is to introduce our new guests around the table. And that is, let me let me surprise you. It's actually you who are listening on the drive to work right now. You're the guest at the table. But we have a proxy for you. We have other great people showing up today. It's a couple. It is the lovely Ashley and Chad Gallagher family. And they're here. Yay. And I wait till you hear their story. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having us on, guys. This is great. Yeah, please tell us a little bit about you, Chad and Ashley. Like, where, where are you from and, uh, and um, your family and what, what you love? Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley. Um, I grew up in Virginia. We now live in Pennsylvania. I am in the last three weeks of writing my dissertation. So everyone pray for me, please. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. That's exciting, After I buddy. graduate, Congrats. I'd like to work on environment or gun violence or other public health topics. Um, I also have an Instagram at Healthy Living with Ash. It's around 160,000 followers. And so you can follow me there and follow along. I make fun of chat a lot on there. So there's some really great videos of Chad. Yeah, after she makes fun years. of Chad. <laughs> Plenty of content. Plenty of content. I, I have to get on it. <laughs> and yeah, anything else, Chad? We have a daughter, Isabel, who's four. 
and we are just trying to make it through this year. <laughs> Before you go, Chad, Chad and I are podcasters, uh, so he and I are like jumping to get on the mic. Ashley, I can tell you're more of an Instagrammer. Podcast, maybe not your favorite, but we love you. We love hanging out with you, so we can't wait to get probe you with some questions as well. But, but Chad, yeah, tell us a little more about your love story even. Like, how did you two great people get together? How long have you been married? Hey, and- yeah, you probably don't even know this story. Uh, well, first off, I mean, Ashley's definitely the brains in their relationship. There's no question about that. She got, she's working on like degree number three, two of the schools I couldn't have probably even got into. So yeah, there's that. PhD from Hopkins. It's kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, so how we met is actually a cool story. We were living in New York City. I had actually just broken up with another girlfriend and I'm now living in New York City. I never wanted to live there. I know basically nobody. I'd been there for about three months and I get out of a cab. I'm literally moving into my new apartment. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what the heck am I doing in the city? And one of my friends walks by from college, just totally randomly and says, Chad, what the heck are you doing? I said, well, I got this duffel bag on my shoulder. Yeah, now I'm about to move in an apartment. And he was like, well, you look kind of sad. Why don't you come hang out at the bar? And I was like, yeah, that sounds like amazing. So go to the bar and, you know, a couple other friends from, we went to the University of Virginia, we're there, in walks Ashley uh, shortly. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like day one of being single in New York, here's a beautiful girl. We talk for about, I don't know, 15 minutes. And I'm just like head over heels basically from minute one. And then another one of my friends walks in the door and actually kisses Ashley. Because oh, was dating. man. Yeah. 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 So that wasn't good. Um, and, uh, and so basically it took me about a year of chasing after her and trying to use my creative, innovative uh, ideas of how to get her to somehow consider dating me. Sounds like you're good at sales. Yeah. It's, it's gotten me very far in life. Uh, very far in life and ma- and maintain the <laughs> friendship by the way <laughs> yeah so actually he uh the guy actually came to our wedding he's still a very good friend of ours and uh yeah i remember when i actually started dating ashley i didn't even ask him for his permission i just went for it well this is what you know first of all thank you guys for getting real there for a minute the, the, the wealth building with friends show is still new to the world and it's all about a table and everyone's here because we at some point one of your friends in this case introduced you to ashley or kind of introduce you to Ashley. But uh, th- something like that happens with wealth building too, Bob. And Bob and Usha and I are compassionate with Melanie here to make sure we make these types of conversations available to the world because there's nothing, except for Ashley, there's nothing special about the rest of us. You know, we don't have to these, <laughs> but, we're, but we're at the table and this is a comfortable table. But we're going to talk about some cool stuff because I'm going to finish. Chad's intro by saying that the dude and Ashley, not only is Ashley a powerhouse entrepreneur, Instagram influencer, but Chad, your team has been exploding. You're uh, called Slate House Group. You guys are uh, real estate gurus in many ways. I shouldn't say guru because you guys, you did it the hard way. You built one of the biggest East Coast regional property management companies with thousands and thousands and thousands of doors. So everybody who's listening, don't be intimidated by Chad. He, He still started like all of us with one conversation, but he also buys businesses and whatever comes up at this table is fair game, but uh, wait till you hear the tough questions my friend Bob's going to ask you with Usha. These guys ask, no, they don't. No, they don't. It's easy. Uh, pass it back to Bob. Yeah, Chad, you know, one of the things that always fascinates me is, is why people do what they do. You know, what inspires them to step out and do things that maybe some other people uh, either don't do or procrastinate in doing. And I'd love to understand kind of your thinking and Ashley's thinking 
about what inspires you. What What's your leverage to, to take action in the business world? And what gets you excited to move forward? Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth kind of starting of like square one of kind of how we started. And then maybe I'll get into the, the, the second part of that. You know, I mean, I'm, first off, I'm kind of a nerd at heart. We both are nerds at heart. No, no, she's a nerd too. She'll tell you. I'm way more nerdy than Chad. Yeah, yeah. She's she reads like like a hundred books a year. She's crazy. Three hundred. Yeah, she's nuts. I mean, she literally tries to read a book a day. She's 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 wild. How I actually got into investing is interesting. So I actually have an engineering background. My parents are school teachers. And so I love Josh's story. I always tell people like, I should not be an investor. My parents are unbelievable, grade A, the best parents you could ever ask for. But they didn't, they're not in investing. They're literally school teachers. And they really taught me to have confidence in myself and, and I could do anything I wanted. And I think Ashley's kind of built the same way. And, and that allowed me to, at a very early age, say, I think I can succeed at any point in my mind to. And so I was in digital advertising, doing really well, running a basically a mobile advertising business unit, um, but an employee in a company. And I actually was on a, I was going to a bachelor party in Pittsburgh, oddly enough. Um, you really, you can't make this up. And so anyone who's been to Pittsburgh, who has to get there from the East Coast, East side of Pennsylvania, there's only one way. It's the turnpike. And it's, uh, you know, it is a quiet, lonely ride, four hours probably on the turnpike, not a lot to look at. And so I was going there with my best friend growing up and we were six years old. We knew each other. We played baseball together. He was a math teacher. So very analytical, like I am myself. And within about five minutes of the drive, it was just him and I, and I think he was ready kind of playing this out. And he said, you know, I I really think we should get get into real estate investing and buy a real estate property. And I, I literally remember the first time he said it, I thought he was either kidding or ridiculous. This was like 2012. I mean, buying real estate was literally a bad word. When I when I told my mom that I was going to buy a real estate property, she literally started crying um, the first time. And it wasn't tears of happiness. She was terrified. And think about where this was, 2012. I mean, it literally was a scary time to get into real estate. Everyone had just lost all this money. And we were in the middle of the crash. The best time, right? Well, it turned out to be <laughs> great. And uh, not, look, it wasn't like we knew we were buying at the bottom. We really weren't. And I, it's actually one, people, one thing I tell people all the time in investing is like, Nate, who's my business partner and, and still best friend, he, you know, his big thing was, hey, what if we instead of try to pick cycles, what if we instead try to just make long-term bets? And if we're betting for 10, 20 years, it's actually like maybe easier for us to predict than it is like what's going to happen in six months. And um, it's actually something that stuck with me. And, and every investment we've ever made, Nate and I, and we've bought a lot of real estate. We've invested in wedding venues with the accountable equity team. Uh, we've invested in businesses. We've acquired businesses. Everything we've ever done has always been for the long term. And, and, and we've said, we just, we don't know how to judge cycles. We think it's too risky and, and a lot of luck driven. And, and so with that kind of concept in mind, we decided to, it took him four hours of the drive, but by the time I got to Pittsburgh, I was convinced that, hey, we're analytical. You know, we were in our twenties and we said, look, uh, let's just buy one and let's make kind of like a low risk bet, I guess is the best way to say it really. Let's just buy one B class single family home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and let's see what happens. You know, I remember that day of closing, the next day I was already modeling out property too, right? So, I mean, I, I definitely got addicted really quick. And and I'll say, I, I definitely want to give Ashley a ton of credit. I would say that day one up until today, we've had, I've had tons of crazy ideas. Some ideas were good, some were bad, but she's always been incredibly supportive of us being willing to take risks as a family with our finances. 
and, you know, help like realize that we're going to get better over time and we're going to meet good people and we're going to make some bad decisions and good decisions. But the overall kind of goal where we're trying to go is in the right place. And Ashley, what were you thinking about this time where they decided to start buying real estate in 2012 when everybody was losing money? I don't know. My grandmother is actually a little bit of a real estate mogul. She passed away this year. So I try and pay attention to what Chad's doing so that if her properties ever come down to me, I can take good care of them. But um, she was way before her time. She actually tried to get a PhD and they told her that women couldn't get PhDs back then. So I have to finish mine for her. <laughs> yeah, Ashley's understating it. Her grandmother literally built a 50-unit real estate investment portfolio in Florida all by herself. So her husband passed away and then she built it at, in like in her 70s and 80s. Super impressive and, and really cool. Yeah. By the way, what part of Florida <laughs> we're always looking at? <laughs> Panama City. Oh man, mm. that's so... you. By the way, congratulations. So what I'm hearing you say is, well, really, you know, when's a good time to start? Right now. You know, if people are listening about, you know, oh, well, I've never invested. There's never a good or a bad time. If you're thinking about it, you know, you just get started, right? Yeah. You were saying, what did I think about Chad doing that? And I was just saying, I kind of grew up, um, my grandmother would drive us to a property that she wanted to buy and like explain why she wanted to buy it. And so to me, it wasn't as scary, I guess, or I was fully supportive of Chad doing that. Yeah. And I think, I think like, I mean, it all depends on what you're trying to invest in, right? So if you're trying to invest in something that you're looking to get out of in six months, then the time really does matter actually. Right. And so you say like, when should you invest? I mean, if you're going to go flip a home, you darn well better not invest at the top of the cycle. If you're going to try to sell it in six months. So I guess, you know, I, I sort of agree and sort of disagree with you. Like, when should you invest? I think if, if you're, if it's a short-term cycle thing, you got to really judge cycle. If you're trying to invest in 10, 20 year bets, cycle markets are way less important. And, and then from that perspective, we would say, get started as soon as possible and make like what I would say is just like a low risk, almost like an experiment, right. And start to just you're, you're going to learn so much from your first investment. I always tell people that, you know, if you go get like a, an MBA, right? People have no problem spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for an MBA, right? I always tell people like your first real estate investment. So ours, we bought a, Nate and I bought a $100,000 property, $90,000. We put 20% down. It's not a $20,000 investment, right? It's a fraction of what you'd pay for an MBA. And yet people are terrified to make that. The reality is your first investment oftentimes is really just a learning experience. I always like, like, if you break even on your first real estate investment, that's a huge win. You just got all that education for free. Curious though, also, you know, you're not speculating. I mean, in this case, you were not speculating. You were buying this with the intent of holding it long-term. So you didn't have to worry about the cycles in the market at that point. And it was obviously a whole lot less risk for you, right? That's right. And I mean, it's interesting, like the first thing we were bought, I mean, you know, we knew so little about real estate. We hired a real estate agent. She had no idea what she was doing. I mean, literally had no clue. We asked her, is this a good place to buy a place? And she looks around, and she goes, well, you know, the hospital's here. I mean, literally the hospital's across the street and it is this like 50 floor hospital. You can't miss it. Right. It's like, well, I, I can see the hospitals there. <laughs> right. Like I got that. Uh, I was looking for a little more guidance. But, you know, that property is interesting from a cash flow perspective. It's basically broken even over maybe six, seven years, but probably 2.5 X value in the actual on the appreciation side. And so that $20,000 investment, we probably now have 150K or so in equity in that property. I wouldn't call that a home run. I mean, it, it wasn't like we, we didn't just buy this thing that was so, it was literally on the MLS. Anyone could have bought it. It was just a basic property, um, didn't need much repair. And so I think that's the advantage of trying to not, not always trying to judge cycles and like long-term investing. I will say uh, Chad and Nate definitely hunted for good deals. And I'm sure he can tell you all the stories, but 
there were definitely times I saw them like crawling through bushes, trying, they would do like short sales and sheriff sales or tax sales. And they, you know, you can't see the property beforehand or inside. So they'd be like peeking around bushes, trying to figure out what state the property was in. So I feel like it helps if you find a good deal as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, I guess like one thing I tell people all the time is I think whether you're going to be a passive investor or an active investor, I mean, I think, look, like hard work matters and I don't think investing is actually no work, right? And so sometimes the work is actually finding good property. Sometimes it's like finding a good person to invest with, right? In this case, working with you guys, it's digging into the details. It's maybe going to actually look at the the property in person on a Saturday. Um, You know, those are things that frankly, just, I think anyone could do it. Most people just don't. I was just going to ask that question of both of you, just as a team, as a married couple, just for our audience, you know, like the, the levels of family investment, obviously there's capital, family capital in there, but like you just said, the time, how do you manage that as a family? I mean, people who just want to jump into this, maybe they're afraid of it'll overrun their whole lives. You know, just that first step, like that first property, what kind of investments do you make as a family and how do you keep, let's say a quote unquote balanced life? Well, we don't have balanced life. First of all, Melanie. <laughs> no. I will say you definitely need to get your partner on board because Chad would work all week at AOL and then he would go up on the weekends to look at properties. And I mean, our daughter's four. So the first four years of her life, uh, we just moved to Pennsylvania, but his business has been in Pennsylvania. So often like Monday through Friday, he might be in Pennsylvania and he's such a hard worker. He would literally drive back up on Saturday to meet an owner. And so that had to be okay with, I had to be okay with watching our daughter that whole time as well. But so I guess it does, it does take like 10 years of doing that. And we're like about to hit the payoff for both of us of 10 years of hard work. So we're excited about that, but you definitely have to both be okay with it. And Chad's always very appreciative of my supporting him. But I think we have the same vision for the life that we would like to lead and the financial like security we'd like to have. And we're really close to all that coming true. So it's been worth all the hard work. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah, just to underline that, I think I am very vocal with new investors to say the, the first thing you can do once you've got yourself mindset, right. And once you've met a couple mentors, the next step in that journey is getting your significant other on board with you. And so, I mean, I would say it's such a huge advantage that I have over so many people is I'm never like having to fight with my family. Um, I mean, even my daughter who's four and a half, like there's like zero guilt trip of, hey, we're going to invest or, hey, we're going to spend time trying to figure out, should we invest? Uh, I mean, just recently I was down in, you know, Virginia for a couple of days looking at a new investment property and like the family is like on board with what we're trying to do and what we're trying to build. And that like, we all have our roles in this. So like I play the role of actually figuring out the investing and running the analytics and everything. Actually, oftentimes is doing other things like making sure Izzy's alive, which is really important. I think like you need those roles and every family has different roles. Some people go at things together and just split and conquer, some divide and conquer, whatever it's going to be. But I think like what's a, doesn't matter what roles you have. I don't think a couple has to necessarily all, like Ashley doesn't look at many of the investments that, uh, that we invest in, but we like have a really strong, what we're like totally in lock sync on is what we're trying to build as a family. 
and that we're going to do it together. And it's not like, oh, Chad is selfish for on a Saturday trying to like invest in something or find out should he invest in something. It's like, this is what we're doing for a family and we all play roles. I, I, man, like that is, that makes life so much better. I, I see, I see so many couples who like, it sounds so simple. <laughs> I just said, it's like, oh yeah, what couple wouldn't be supportive of trying to invest and build a better future. And yet I, I, I so often I see that in, in reality that like, that just like that passive aggressive comment that someone makes about someone else or as, as if it's like they're being selfish when like what they're doing is setting their whole family up for like financial freedom. Like what could be possibly more like from a financial perspective, that's like unbelievable for what your family could do. Um, and so I just think that's like really important is like getting people on board early on. Hi, this is Melanie McCallan. Josh and I are just so grateful for the many investors who already joined us at Accountable Equity. Accountable Equity is so much more than a capital group. It's really a community of accredited investors that want to learn and grow together. I just want to personally invite you, if you want to find out more about this type of investment and see if it's right for you and your family, please visit us at accountableequity.com. And it seems like that, that your business mindset and your relationship are both the same, that you have this long-term, that's the long, long hold, right? Buy and hold kind of thing. Like it's a long-term game plan that you've both, um, like you said, you're in lockstep with that. And so, and there's nothing, nothing. I'm not looking, no, I'm not looking to flip my marriage. If, if that's, that's right. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to get at now. Buy and hold strategy for everything. <laughs> buy and hold till, till death do you part. And, and like you said, Honestly, success in any form, in anything, requires some sacrifices. It's just getting on the same page about what sacrifices those are going to be for what outcome. So it sounds like you guys had that long, hard conversation or understanding, and now you're both on the same page to make those sacrifices to get to the end game because any hard work is going to have that. You asked about balance, and like to be honest, we don't have balance, but we've kind of like agreed to not have balance for a set amount of time. And like, it's a constant discussion of like, whether it's too much, you know, on both our ends, because we both literally want to work all weekend right now. So we literally fight about like who gets to work all weekend. (laughs) But yeah, the only reason to be out of balance for that long is that like the payoff will be amazing. It'll be for the rest of our lives. I just, I want to make one more point too, which is like, I think you mentioned somewhere about the, like the why, like, why do we do this? And what are we trying to build? And, you know, for us, we actually aren't really passionate about money, which sounds really strange. Like, I don't really care at all about things. We're not into buying things. I'm like incredibly competitive, I guess, by nature. And part of that leads to like, if I'm going to do something and put my mind to it or our family's mind to it, like we're going to be the absolute best we possibly can. And our goal is to be the best. And so if we're going to start a prime management company, we want to be literally the best prime management company, period, in the country. Like that's our goal. That's always been our goal. And we're like literally on track to actually achieve that in a couple of years. And that's where we're trying to go. And with our investments, if we're going to invest with like a syndication team, we want to invest it with the best syndication team, a team that has a huge vision that we can, you know, build with on time and invest with people we really like is another thing. Like, and so it's funny, like Ashley says, like kind of like working on the weekends, like it's not like to me, like Monday, whether it's Monday or Friday or Sunday, like 
this, I mean, life just is really fun. I love every, every minute of it. I love Mondays. Like they're amazing. And, but Saturdays are fun too. And I don't really care whether it's work or play. Like it's all kind of the same to me. I think like, I do think it's like really important. I heard Matthew McConaughey say something, something recently, which was like, you know, when you, when can you actually get yourself excited about what you're doing and about really just trying to be the best at whatever it is, then like the outcome becomes so much better because you're not trying to win to get a paycheck for like, you know, 100K or a raise for another 50 because that's not what creates like amazing outputs. Like you think about like people that are amazing at things that they're not really driven by money usually. Like they're usually driven by just like passion and really being the best. And so I, I don't know, I think that's like how we are as a, as a couple, as a family and, and, and everything we, we touch is like, we want to do things we really are passionate about and excited about. And it makes life a lot more, um, I guess, enjoyable. I'd heard Ashley say the payoff a few times. And I was just curious, what is what does that vision look like for you, Ashley? What's that payoff that, that's really exciting and what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind when the two of you are done with your vision? Well, my passion is definitely public health. So I'm excited to be done with school where you're kind of being more passive and not really like producing and acting in the real world. And then I guess like the advantage of being a little more financially secure is that will just give me a lot of freedom to like focus on what I am passionate about and not have to worry so much about like you know, some of the day-to-day stressors, even outsourcing, you know, as a woman, we get sometimes stuck with a few more of the domestic tasks. So outsourcing some of the things I don't enjoy doing and really focusing on the work that I am passionate about. And like, that's what, I mean, my legacy is I want to like change the health of people in a specific category might be the environment, but like, I would like to have a visible impact that I like for sure know that I contributed to making the world a little bit better. So that's really my world and how I work and my motivations. And luckily it like syncs up with how Chad is, but like he was saying, he's kind of more competitive and driven and it's like kind of slightly different motivations, but luckily heading in the same direction. Beautiful vision. And I'll, I'll just add to that. I think, you know, I mean, there was a point where Ash and I both had had just kind of basic jobs. And and honestly, we both, we really liked our jobs. So even when we had jobs, we like, I still liked that too. But I did move from that. And I guess we both are, but me for sure, into like a business ownership kind of a jump. And I'll say that like, when I made that jump, I had been investing for like four to five years really aggressively before that. I mean, if you looked at like, how much income we were bringing as a family and what we spent. And then you look at like, what we, made. we didn't live our life as if the income was coming in, right? We lived our life. We kind of kept our, our living expenses the same level and invested a ton, right? And so I, I, the reason I just call that out is what that avo- like created was the ability to actually take chances and not be reliant on just a, you know, a set salary coming in every day, realizing that we had a couple different income streams across different things. And that, man, I mean, that was like totally life-changing. Like where we are today, I could have never guessed it even four years ago. And and I don't even know where we're going in four years at this point. I mean, it's like we've, we've almost like started to outleap our, some of our own goals um, for our life, which is really awesome. But I, I guess the point I was just trying to make there that I think is really interesting is like, if we were just, you know, making income and live and spending that income every day, we could have never made the leap that we've now, you know, just exponential changes to our life, to our happiness and everything that we're doing. So there's multiple streams of passive income that give you the ability to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. Just like Ashley said, I want to be able to do what I'm passionate about. And I, I just love the fact that you guys are on such a powerful track to do that very, very soon, if not, if you're not already there. Uh, and that's really exciting. Yeah, I mean, we are, I mean, literally, I mean, I don't want to like sound, I mean, like we don't 
probably have to work anymore. I mean, I, you know, and that sounds crazy. We're in our thirties. <laughs> like I can't even imagine that, but it's like, it's partially just because we, I mean, I do think that another thing I talk a lot about to people, I think it's like important is I mentioned this when we did our learning growth thing at Kent Manor is, uh, you know, if you look like an average week, how much time people spend like their day-to-day job, right? I don't know, somewhere between probably 30 and 55 hours, something like that. And then you say like, how much time do they spend like investing? And that could be anything. That could be talking to an accountant or that could be working with Josh on his latest investment or meeting a new syndicator or buying a real estate property. Just just how much time do you spend either educating yourself on investing or meeting with financial planners? That number is like usually less than one. Right? Like, and like, that doesn't make sense. Like, stop doing that. Right? Like, I think that was one of the shifts we made pretty early on was I said like, okay, like, you know, I'm going to start devoting like probably about 20% of my week to investing. sounds like a huge number, but um, I'm going to start spending every Monday morning thinking about investing. And I did that probably like a a long time ago, 2013, probably made that change and still do it today. It's like Monday morning. The first thing we do is look at all our investments, look at how they're doing. And that, I think that's like really powerful. And I just think that very, very, very few people do that. Instead, the investing side kind of gets pushed to the side until all of a sudden they're in their, you know, 50s and 60s and they're like, whoa, I want to retire. And like, you know, but if, if early on you can start to actually prioritize that, it totally changes your life. You know, that said, you actually answered the question that I had about, you know, how much people actually, what they focus on expands, right? So if you don't focus on it, it's never going to happen. So you did talk about, you know, educating yourself around it. And obviously, Ashley's reading. I'm sure that you've got a whole variety of a lot of different books. But if you've got anything to share about, you know, someone wanting to get started, what are the things that they would they would focus on learning? You know, are there any books, podcasts? Um, this one, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you also men- mentioned mentors. So, um, you know, if you could expand a little bit on that. Because that all helps us get, you know, people to get started. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is like, it is just amazing how accessible information is right now. Like, I mean, even even in the last like nine years, I mean, it's gotten much better. I mean, I remember I, I would personally, so I love meetups. I think they are amazing when there's not COVID going on. So like come back in two months and we'll get rolling those again. But to go to an area where you have a local group of people who come together, who are investors, we actually run about eight of these things. And there was a period of time where I was literally going to a meetup like twice a week and I was just going and I would take a notebook and I would like, I remember my first couple of meetups I'd go to about real estate. I would write down words I didn't understand. Like just write them down. I didn't even know what they were talking about. It was a vocabulary I didn't get, but I'd write it down and then go home at night and I'd, I'd basically Google the word because there was a vocabulary that I didn't, wasn't even there with. I had to kind of learn that. And then I would just start shaking people's hands and just talking to people. Like who, who's, who's here that maybe looks like me, sounds like me. And I don't mean like gender, race looks like me. I mean like, you know, we have similar goals and mentality and stuff like that. And, and just started to find my way to eventually meeting people that I just really looked up to. And I think like, it's interesting, you know, there's a lot of syndicators out there who, if you're interested in investing, they'll take a half hour and talk to you for free. They'll have a podcast. They'll do various events to understand what they're up to. And like, man, what an amazing opportunity to like hear someone's, you know, I mean, you look at like what, you know, just, I mean, I'll just, you know, look at Renault and Kent Manor and some of these projects. Like there is an 
unbelievable education you can get in some of these projects that even if you don't want to invest, it's it's amazing, amazing free education. And I mean, obviously we invest in them and think they're amazing, but even if you didn't want to, so like one thing I tell people is like, you know, go talk to like three or four syndicators, right? Like go, go meet with three to four real estate agents. Those are great people to talk to, right? And understand how do they invest? How do they evaluate real estate investments? You know, guys, I'm going to get in here for just a second because no one in the history of any podcast I've been on has presented better than, you know, more time than I have. Typically, I tend to mahog the mic, but Chad is one of the best educators. And he threw a bunch of tidbits out there for all of us listeners and, and Usha and Bob, feel free to interrupt me. I just want to get a few of them summarized. One, he uses he used he used to in person go to a lot of meetups, so much so that this guy is a genius. He created eight of his own and I've attended. I've spoken at those we've attended and spoken. So here's the point. Here's why he did that. Just to summarize why we did the show, guys, is to the conversations are the way we can internalize the fact that this is real. You know what I mean, Ashley? So your grandmother made this real for you because you drove to the house. If it was a TV show about buying houses, that may not have been real to you, but your grandma made it real. Chad, it became real because his best friend said it's real. And this show is about showing you there's something real happening here, guys. And Usha slipped there for one second. And I think that's why we're doing this show. You said, what other podcasts? Well, yes, you can listen to other podcasts. But, <laughs> but uh, don't you think this is the, why we're doing a table, a round table a discussion? And everyone's welcome, right? We, we grow into the conversations around us, right? So when we get together around the table, we share ideas, then we learn from each other. And I, and I think, Chad, you said an amazing thing, like how much time does the average person take to invest versus their job? And you included knowledge. And for those that are watching the show today or listening to the show and you're saying, well, you know, I'm not really spending much time on investing. Yes, you are, because you're taking the time to educate yourself by being around that discussion. That's really important. Yeah, I mean, I think it's right. And I think especially, I mean, look, I didn't come from a real estate background. So it wasn't like my dad was introducing me to all of these real estate moguls and people who were investors. And so for me, it was like, I, I really was like, all right, I need to surround myself with people who understand this world because I, I don't. Right. And, and, uh, and so I just think that's important is like, I mean, you guys said it just so well, like anyone can do this. I mean, it's not, you know, it takes hard work and it takes a long-term mindset and it takes kind of getting out of your comfort zone. And real estate is, it's, it's a big thing with many different avenues. So like you were saying, for example, you, you bought, you invested, but you're also managed the, and, and then that grew into its own thing. So not everybody who invests, like you said, they can be a passive investor. They don't need to, um, to manage their own properties. We're, we're in it for on the hospitality side. So there, there's so many different avenues. And obviously, you, did you feel your way through it? Or did you always know you wanted to always manage? I think pretty early on, we realized that. So I actually differentiated. I should say there's three roles. There's the investor, then there's there's the asset manager, and then there's the specific day-to-day manager. And I think that early on, I don't know, for I don't maybe this was a good idea or a bad idea, but we decided we wanted to have all three of those. But like on the on the management side, I mean, I don't actually manage our properties. We have a property management company that does it. And it just so happened that for us, we started doing that and it turned out there was a massive need for that. And we decided to scale it. And now we're managing over 5,000 units for, you know, like a thousand clients. 
which is amazing. You don't have to go that road, but you have to identify who's going to be the manager of the asset. Who's going to manage that asset day to day? Then who's going to be the asset manager? And that's somebody who is, it's a different role, right? That's someone who's checking in a couple of times a week. And then, and then there's actually the investor. And so I think that, I think really crystallizing that, I see, I see sometimes investors make this mistake where I'll ask them like, so who's the asset manager? And they'll say, I don't know. I don't even know what the asset manager is, you know, for your investments, right? You guys are typically both, there's an asset management function and then there, there's Viva May, which is actually the management company. And so I think being really clear of like who is doing the asset management is, is that's the role I find missing. People oftentimes know who the investor is. They oftentimes know the prime managers or are starting to think about who it should be, but they forget about the middle one. I think it's all three of those are important. And the best part is to your point, and you said it really well, you don't have to play all three of those roles. You could play one or two or three, but I think it's really important to decide early on what fits your family's lifestyle and how, what are those boxes do you want to live in? Ashley and uh, Chad, I, for, the, for the group of us around this table and all of us driving or treadmilling. Or in their Tesla. That's your thing, right? Or their Tesla-ing. Can we go back? Because you guys asked what our legacies would be and Chad didn't answer. And I want to know what's going to be your legacy, Chad. See, I yeah, I thought she was all excited to answer the question of what Ooh, I said, this is a little family inter- interior <laughs> discussion going on. Who's asking the tough questions now? <laughs> the first answer is I think, like I really hope that there's a mindset and a way of living life that people think about us. And I think we established that pretty early on and have been very consistent with that. And that is that like, we're going to love life. Like we're going to have a lot of fun every day and we're not going to hate Mondays. We're not going to hate Thursdays or Saturdays. And we just really, really, really want to have an awesome time living while we're living. And we're going to go at everything as hard as we possibly can and to be the best we can. And so I think that's kind of like step one. Uh, the more maybe tangible version of the legacy, you know, Ashley says this all the time, and I think she's maybe right, is that we probably don't even know that like, you know, five years ago, I could have never guessed Slate House as a company would be where it is. To date, that's probably the biggest thing we've done. But like, you know, she will say, often like the biggest thing we're going to have done in our life, we haven't even started yet. And I think that's kind of interesting to show like, I mean, every 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 day gets more interesting. <laughs> we're doing things that I couldn't have dreamed of even a year ago. And so when you think about kind of that like accelerated growth, it actually does make sense that like, it's not crazy to think that that the thing we'll most have as a legacy, we, we probably haven't even started yet. I've, I just wrote a note here, ask Chad in five I years <laughs> about legacy. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. In five years, I would love to come back on this show with Ashley and have her ask me that question again. You know, uh, it kind of reminds me, I, I do a workshop for young people and always asking, you know, what do you think your purpose is? And just encouraging them to just write it down and just saying that you're not marrying it. Just just what what is it, you know, that your purpose might be because you're just dating it right now. Things change, you know, evolve, life evolves. I mean, you guys are so young. And as you say, in five, 10 years, I mean, you have, you, that your journey is not even 10 years with investing, right? Or is it 10 years already? No, no, 2012. So what year are we in? Yeah, so 9, 10, um, we're just getting there. And uh, I'll tell you a quick funny story. When we started the property management company, I, I built out this model and I love models. I'm a, I'm a nerd, right? So I love this. Right? So I built this model out and it's got all these variables in this. And look, we, we had been managing properties for like six months. So I, I really had no idea what I was doing. But I built this out. And I, remember, I remember very specifically, it was like a 10-year model. And in year 10, we would be managing 4,000 units. I remember sending it to Nate and, you know, the company would be making like a million dollars a year or something. And I remember Nate like probably opened it for like, like probably 30 seconds and was like, that's cool. I like year 10. 
And that, that was it. And, and so what was funny about that model is two things that's kind of funny. One is how wildly accurate it ended up being. We, we ended up beating the model by a couple of years, obviously, but um, a lot of the metrics were still right on. And the other crazy part of it is at that point, you know, call that maybe like seven years ago, my dream was, could we someday own a prime management company that manages 4,000 units? That was like, as far as my bar could even go, that, that was it. I, I couldn't dream any higher than that. And so I think that's the thing about like setting goals and dreams and aspirations and legacies is that to your point, you know, that, that, that does change every year, right? And if, if done right, the bar actually raises, right? And so I think that's what's exciting about our life and, and kind of where we're going, where you guys are all going and where so many of the investors that we meet as part of this group are going is every year gets more exciting and the bar keeps going higher and higher. The word momentum comes to my mind. And then Josh is laughing because that's the word he uses all the time to get our kids in the car. Come on, everybody. We need momentum. And he's getting, no, but, but what you're saying is you're building the momentum you're getting in there and then that keeps moving the bar because you're, 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 the speed keeps going faster. And now you're, the momentum is changing that, changing that. And it's moving that, that uh, you can't see, right. It's like a little foggy completely the future, but that as soon as it becomes clear, the next bar is set. And so you're building that momentum. I don't want to, I don't want to cut off the opportunity to have a second episode with you guys, because here we are running up against the, the timeline. The producers are like, they're flashing the cue cards. Shut down the show. No, they're, they're not because we don't let them in this room, but uh, for COVID reasons, of course. But here's here's my point. We love you two guys. We're so grateful to have you as partners. And this is what we mean. Friends, I mean, there's stuff we could have talked about. Bob, I want to let make sure you get to say goodbye. But why don't I at least ask, how can they reach back out to you guys as friends now? And I think, Ashley, you started at the beginning of the show. But if you could reiterate, how could people learn from you more and maybe interact with you and chat? Yeah, so my Instagram at Healthy Living with Ash is definitely the main way. And it's just our daily life. I do book reviews. Um, I debunk like health myths by diving into the research on different health trends. But yeah, mostly just making fun of Chad. <laughs> Tons of content. It's, it's really great. I mean, it's viral. It's engaging. Um, I will tell you guys, I've, I've been to the grocery store before and I've had people like come up to me seriously and like kind of like chuckle and be <laughs> like, huh? rough, rough morning, huh? And I'm like, what? And then I go home and like, I realized that Ashley posted something about me and Izzy like this morning, like fighting or like me, like snoring on the couch. Cause I was, you know, had too much to drink there before. Macaroni. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's really wild. Um, so you should follow Ashley for me. So I'm not a huge Instagrammer. Real Estate Hackers is the Instagram account we have. We do have a podcast called Real Estate Hackers or just honestly, like my email is fine too. It's just chad at slatehousegroup.com. Slatehouse is kind of where we do a lot of our, it's our, it's our business, our prime engine business. And I mean, love, 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 love. I mean, I will talk to new investors just about every week. Um, I always tell the, mo- the momentum thing's interesting. Whenever someone on our team's having a bad day, in particular, someone who does salesy kind of things, I always say, uh, you're having a bad day, just go talk to a new client. It's the best way to get out of a, a, a rut. You know, I, meeting a new person, a new investor, a new client, a new eventual mentor, a new meetup you go to, it, it's a great way to start building momentum as opposed to just, you know, sitting there. It's amazing what energy can do. You're both natural educators. We've loved having you guys on. Thank you so much. And please come back. Tell us the new dream, the new vision. And yeah. Ashley, can't wait three weeks, right? Yes. So my draft is done. <laughs> About two months until I defend. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again Bye, soon. Bye, guys. Really, Captain. Bye, everyone. Thanks for coming to the table. 
Thank you for joining us at the table. No matter where you are on your personal investment journey, we're glad you came. Join us next time for another engaging episode of Wealth Building with Friends.